0: These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties, but in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours, find out more at sbmd.org. Hi everyone,
1: and welcome to Looped In, this is the Houston Chronicle podcast, all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places. It's all here. I'm Rebecca Schutz, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle, and I'm here today with Nancy Sarnoff. Hey, Rebecca. Hi, Nancy. You're doing a great job. I know this feels very strange <laughs> <laughs> to give this intro with Nancy sitting right here. Last week on the show, we talked about structures that aren't meant to be moved fences, swimming pools, tennis courts being built where they don't belong. And this time we're here talking about something that is inherently temporary, man camps. Man camps are the popular term for temporary housing for workers in boom times, which West Texas and New Mexico are currently experiencing because of the amount of oil and gas coming out of the Permian Basin. For a long time, the term man camp evoked images of tents and mobile homes, but some have received a makeover and have amenities I frankly wish I had that we have a guest here to talk about. So here with us, we have a man who has chased molecules from a Texas shale field to Asia and back to American grocery stores. He's driven down Death Highway in the Permian Basin, and he recently enjoyed the hospitality of a man camp. He's here with us today wearing his radio finest, Chronicle Energy reporter Jordan Bloom.
2: Hey, how are you doing? You made me sound a lot cooler than I actually am.
1: Yeah, we were just talking about how uncool we are um, before we got in air. But on paper, you sound really cool. And... I'll take
2: it. <laughs> I'm excited. This is my first ever podcast.
1: You had a pretty cool experience. I told you after reading the story, I messaged you on Slack and said I was jealous of your stay in a man camp. And
2: Well, who wouldn't want that experience?
1: Yeah. <laughs> how did you start down this path to staying in a man camp yourself?
2: Well, I cover the energy sector broadly and the man camp industry, so to speak, falls within basically the oil field services sector. So I've I've covered some of the companies a little bit. And I was doing this West Texas, New Mexico trip to the Permian in general um, for broader coverage. And I wanted to kind of get the man camp experience as part of that. And when I had talked to this one company that's based out of the woodlands, they used to be called Target Lodging. Now they're publicly traded Target Hospitality. In past interviews with their CEO, they offered the opportunity to come out, hey, come hang out at our, well, what they call lodges, not man camps. Uh, man camp is a very dirty word for them. They don't want to use that. Um, so, yes, they're pristine uh, oil field lodges.
1: And mm-hmm.
0: an oil field retreat. Yes. Cool. So you went out there to do reporting on the energy industry more broadly, look for stories come up with different ideas, but also to write about these man camps.
2: I couldn't miss out on that opportunity. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Okay, so you actually stayed there.
2: Yes, I spent. I I did a tour of several of them and then stayed in one in tiny Mentone, Texas, which is along Highway 285, which is known as the Death Highway, as we said, um, which I don't want to make light of because it's a well-earned name for lots of fatalities because of all the oil field boom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so stayed in Mentone at what is part of Target's network called the Anadarko Wolf Camp Lodge. Uh, Wolf Camp, as in that's the name of the oil field, and Anadarko, um, which no longer exists and is now part of Occidental Petroleum, (laughs) had leased out the entire camp for its workers and its third-party services workers that do their drilling and fracking and whatnot
0: so there's a place called Great Wolf Lodge that's like a family amusement park kind of like place to go with your family and they've got I don't I don't know what they have but it's like a it's a big resort Where? it's a family resort there's one it? near Dallas and I think I think they're actually all over the country and I just wonder if anyone's ever gotten confused with
2: I would hope not. It's a pretty different vibe. <laughs> can
0: you imagine if they showed up and they're like, well, there's pool, but it's not very family-friendly and not a lot of kids. Not
2: so much. <laughs> wow. um, in tiny Mentone, where they're excited because they got their first gas station. Oh, wow. This okay. is one of the many towns, well, not many, several towns where there's more people living in man camps that live in the actual city.
1: Hmm. Yeah, so can you describe what... The town looked like before the boom, and now.
2: Um, well, there's well, there wasn't a gas station there before. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, basically, it's just uh, a small place with a few hundred people. Um, same like you, you have like not far from there, a little north, a little closer to New Mexico is Orla, which um, I think we slacked about slightly. Mm-hmm. Orla is actually a place that has um, ghost town designation from when it, the Permian had boomed decades ago and. And it's basically nothing there, and there's maybe fifty people, maybe not even that, who live there. But now, just because of its location in the heart of where a, a lot of the the Permian is booming, kind of right next to the New Mexico border, um, there's several man camps there. And so, I think I'm underestimating by saying there's more than a thousand people just staying in man camps compared to the fifty permanent residents.
1: So you stayed at. A man a man lodge, not a man camp. <laughs> you say and that Women
2: it? can stay there too. It's you know, there's there's always a few.
1: Um so can you describe starting when you pulled in, what you saw, what's it like? Set the scene.
2: Sure. Um well basically it's it's like when you had those it's the just rows and rows of those modular facilities, like those You know, when your school was too overcrowded and you had, like, a trailer outside for, you know, ancillary Mm -hmm. classes or whatever. Um, So it's very structured, very organized, very symmetrical. Um, Our photographer, uh, John Shapley, had the drone with him. And Mm -hmm. we got some cool shots flying above. You can just see the perfect symmetry of all these facilities lined up. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, in the middle you you get up there, and there's you know basketball court, volleyball, uh, um, some of them have swimming pools, not all of them, you know, it depends, but mm-hmm. um, but they have a lot of cool things. I mean, there's rec rooms, um lots of laundry facilities. They have to separate their laundry facilities from the the oil grease covered <laughs> uh, coveralls that they wear for work, separate from their personal laundry facilities, so. Uh-huh. There's uh yeah. <laughs>
1: That's fancy.
2: So, so it's 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 a nice setup and, and the the cafeterias are the the nicest of all. I mean it's it's restaurant quality dining. I mean I ate some of the the food. It's it's good they have, you know, wood fired pizza stoves and
1: what did you eat?
2: Um Oh
1: you should have done a food review too.
2: I, I should have You should have I should Allison have. Cook. <laughs> I, I, I just had the, – the one meal I had – well, I had a, a burger that was really good, and then I had a grilled chicken meal, and I had some, some breakfast, uh, you know. You didn't the, get the, a
1: wood fired pizza?
2: I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to splurge too much, you know. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How about <laughs> – did you have any fresh-squeezed orange juice?
2: I did, yes. So, yeah, they they have these and, – and it's a little bit of a gimmick, but they have the machines where you, you put – Like the actual orange in, and then you see it go through the process and squeezes out freshly. (laughs) Um, So,
0: but did they have green juice?
2: (sighs) I don't think so.
0: (laughs) You probably would have recognized it. They did. It's like some delicious concoction of fruit,
2: opposite
1: of orange juice, kale. I
2: usually, (laughs) I usually don't uh, connect green liquids with delicious. I know (laughs) (laughs) it's not the route I usually go. I say as I'm holding a green bottle of. Diet Mountain Dew.
0: That's disgusting. It
2: is.
0: (laughs) I wanted to ask, when you drove in, I don't know what time of day it was, but were people playing volleyball? I can't imagine a bunch of man dudes like like in a volleyball game.
2: um, So when I go in the rec room, I see some people uh, playing pool. There's some people literally just asleep on the sofas in the rec room. Mostly it's a, a relaxed atmosphere. I mean, most of the people are tired from working 12-hour shifts, you know, fracking oil wells. um, And they just want food, comfort, sleep, and some good Wi-Fi so they can get on the internet and probably talk to their families that may live like 12 hours away somewhere.
0: Mm -hmm. So what were the rooms like?
2: It's comfortable, but it's small. It's like half the size of a hotel room. But for the most part, and there are some exceptions, but in the the nicer lodges, you have your own room, your own shower. So there's like a a leather recliner chair, or probably faux leather, to be honest. Um, but they have nice mattresses, the memory foam style. Like, uh, I, you know, at at home, I have a two year old and a baby, so I slept better in the man camp than I do in my own home. <laughs> um, so it's a very comfortable mattress. Um, you know, TV setup, You have a uh, decent selection of channels, cable. With- Yes, you have cable. It's kind of like a a freshman dorm room kind of feel, but you have it to yourself. And, you know, it's it's half the price of a hotel room, I guess, which is why a lot of the oil companies take advantage of these and rent these facilities out because it's cheaper than putting all their workers in hotel rooms or giving them just expense accounts to find their own housing.
1: Hmm. Um, So how much does it cost?
2: Um i mean it it ranges uh by the quality of the facility and then also just depending on how things are going in the oil business I mean they're gonna if things slow down a bit, they offer more discounted rates, but for the most part, it's like in fifty sixty dollars a night okay kinda range ish
1: and you were saying in a luxury man lodge, right?
2: so I was in one of the nicer ones, yes,
1: um, what is the range? of housing options. So I think what spurred this article probably is just the fact that maybe people's conceptions of temporary workplace lodging um, may be different than what the reality is. Like things have right. progressed. So I guess what's the range and what is motivating these high-end options?
2: Sure. Okay, so to backtrack a little bit, and I'll just go into recent history rather okay. than decades ago, but you know, with the, the shale boom being a little over a decade old, Things really went crazy with man camps up in the what's called the Bakken Shale up in North Dakota, which uh, I guess people don't necessarily realize, but um, North Dakota is the second largest oil producing state after Texas, at least for now. So when North Dakota was booming, and obviously it's super rural up there, there was just a rush to build all this temporary housing and kind of the that's really where the man camp reputation developed in a not-so-great way with kind of the roughnecks run amok um, and lots of issues with uh, drugs, drinking and driving, prostitution, human trafficking, all these things you, you know, might expect to hear about. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there are issues with that in West Texas too. um, But as the industry has evolved, they've developed these nicer options as well um so if you go out to, to west texas now you'll you'll see you know shoddier man camps and you'll see lots of rv parks filled with um oil field workers you'll see lots of hotels filled with oil field workers um, i went out to carlsbad new mexico and carlsbad is kind of the epicenter of the 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 boom as it's moved into the new mexico side of the permian a bit Um, You think of Carlsbad, the only thing you know probably is Carlsbad Caverns, which I didn't actually have time to go see while I was out there. I was a little disappointed. But (laughs) um, all the hotels in Carlsbad are just filled with oil field workers. So the tourists are, like, staying in El Paso or (laughs) somewhere else and driving to the caverns and leaving. So it's actually hurting their tourism industry a bit, even though they're getting lots of benefits from the oil boom as well. So – They've developed a lot of these nicer housing options. Obviously, it's a little more expensive than the cheap man camps. But the the bigger oil companies that have a little more money to spend, they want to offer a little more perks for their workers. They want their workers to just basically work and go to the lodge that doesn't allow alcohol, doesn't allow cohabitation. You know, they don't want their workers showing up drunk or high, or you know, uh, on lack of rest the next day. They want safe environments. So the Exxons and Chevrons and Occidentals are paying a little more for companies like Target Hospitality, getting you know the, the safer workforce environment, so to speak.
0: Is it like, are they competing for talent? Because that's one thing I hear about all the time when I'm writing about office buildings, mm-hmm. that you've got to have the best amenities, the best building in order to compete for talent because- there's a shortage right now, and and companies or employees can kind of pick and choose where they want to go. Do the man camps have something to do with
2: that, yeah, like the nicer a, it's, ones? it's a perk that, that gets mentioned. I mean, I don't know how much of a role that plays in being a true differentiator and where people decide to work. But, you know, the the top oil field services companies like Halliburton and Schlumberger use that as a bit of a recruiting tool.
1: Mm-hmm. And are the oil companies paying for where their workers live,
2: yes. Okay. Basically, so so yeah. For the most part, it's the companies contracting with the the lodge companies, so to speak. Uh, I mean, you you'll have some individual people wanting to stay in them too, or maybe like a small third party contracting company that does some small niche part of the oil field services work. You know, you get mm-hmm. that too. But for the for the most part, it's it's the companies. Like and in some cases they book the whole camp just one company like so Target just built a camp Orla that is entirely contracted out just to Chevron and they just built opened another one in Carlsbad or right outside of Carlsbad that's entirely rented out just to Occidental so
1: so if you live in Orla with fifty people for many years and suddenly a lodge with enough housing. Or multiple lodges, maybe with enough housing for over a thousand people, shows up. What are the pros and the cons?
2: Well, <laughs> that's a good question, and one I don't really claim to know the answer to. But I mean, you have people who want their communities to grow, and then you have people who don't want things to change, and it just really depends on a person-to-person perspective. I'll, I'll go back to Carlsbad as an—I ex- mean, you know, Carlsbad has kind of welcomed the boom environment. Um, and they've, they've used the argument that it's, you know, uh, better to be dealing with the challenges of climbing up a mountain than to be falling off the other side of it, so to speak. Um, so they're, they're welcoming the growth challenges that, you know, come with all the man camps and whatnot. Um, or the other population center in southeastern New Mexico where this is going on is um, Hobbs, New Mexico. And they've kind of forbade man camps, so to speak, or discouraged them. Um, The only one that opened there was only allowed to open because they built their own uh, streets and sidewalks entering into it. Oh,
0: wow. Wow, they developed their own little planned community.
2: Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, And not many want to (laughs) necessarily spend that much more, so that's why there's only one camp in Hobbs. Um, Otherwise, Hobbs has had more of a hotel boom um so most there's more oil field workers staying in in hotels there than than in camps um
1: and what does it do for taxes
2: i mean it generates taxes so the only concern i guess is that some of the communities have is that you know when it comes to the nicer lodges like target for instance they just work and then do everything all inclusive in the lodge with food and entertainment and everything so they're not going out and spending money and restaurants or, or, you know, movie theaters or shopping, groceries. And so that's kind of some lost Mm -hmm. retail uh, business, so to speak.
0: Master planned man
2: camps.
0: (laughs) It's such an interesting real estate story. You know, I'm thinking about this Target hospitality and wondering what their financial accounting looks like and how Mm -hmm. much – it costs to develop these you know, these camps, what the what it's like to operate one, because a lot of them have they have housekeepers that mm-hmm. will come in, right?
2: They have a couple times a week. Yeah, they have staff that stay at the lodges. Yeah. Like uh, they, they designate a few, you know, of the 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 rooms for for um their, their workers. But mm-hmm. their workers also are people who rotate throughout their network. So like Target has twenty lodges just in the Permian so most of their workers are similar to the oil field workers in that they don't permanently live there. They'll, they'll work like three weeks on the job and then have one or two weeks off, depending everybody's job is a little different. Sometimes it's two weeks on one mm-hmm. week off. So like the, one of the executive chefs that I was interviewing at, at one of the lodges in Pecos, Texas, he lives in Florida and, <laughs> and, you know, every, once a month he goes back to Florida and he's, he's like, my kids are all grown. Um, you know, I like to travel. It's, I enjoy this. I make a lot of friends. Yeah. You know, it works out well for me. So to each their own.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I I went on the Google and I did a little search for luxury man camps because I figured there's got to be something. And actually, a couple things came up, but it was mostly Burning Man camps (laughs) that showed up. But I did find this one company called... Civio, I think?
2: Civio is Houston-based. Uh, really? Yeah. They're, they're headquartered here. But, and I don't know how much you looked into it, but their uh, network of facilities are mostly in Canada and Australia.
0: Yes, exactly. Um,
2: which is also oil field related for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they just have maybe a small handful in the U.S.
0: Okay. Well, so I was scrolling through the site and looking at their different camps and the ones in the U.S. just seemed sort of so-so. And mm-hmm. then I got to one in Australia, I think. It is called Copabella Village, and it was really nice. In fact, I wondered, is this a man camp in the traditional sense, or is this like a place where families might go camping?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm less familiar with their Australia ones. I know because <laughs> right. the, their Canada ones are mostly the, the oil sands of, of Canada. Yeah.
0: No, I'm sure it's it, – Probably has to do with with oil and gas, but it was just like the the structures were. They look kind of look like these metal structures. They just had sort of a a hip design to them, hmm. and yeah, just they promoted you know swimming pools and amenities that that you just wouldn't assume a man camp would have. Yeah, exactly. And um, another thing that I noticed, which I think shows how kind of mainstream for the sector it's becoming is they have on their website basically like a hotel you can just book on the website you know like check for availability and
2: yeah that's cool yeah did you do
0: that how did you
1: have to book
2: well i i just did it with the company oh. via it, it was Email? more media avail media
0: well after seeing that that fancy one in australia I thought there should be a new name for man camps. Ooh. And I think the nice ones, we should call them man glamps.
2: Ah, oh. I see what you did there. You like
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> I do like it. Thank you.
2: Yeah, um, and this Pastor is going Long. unnecessarily off topic, but just to nerd out for a second. The, um, Yeah, Civio is actually, they formed just a few years ago. They were a spinoff of another Houston company, Oil States International. That's an oil field services company. And they did housing on the side. And they decided to spin off Civio as another publicly traded company.
1: Wow. That's, I had no idea. Okay, so you have a master planned man glamp. (laughs) And the boom comes to an end. It's all made to disassemble, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, you can relocate them. You can close them. Um, One of the ones in Mentone, not the one I stayed at, but they had actually just opened another one in tiny Mentone because, you know, Target needs two camps just in Mentone, obviously. They had uh, relocated that one from North Dakota (laughs) because things
1: have slowed
2: down a bit in North Dakota.
0: Has anyone ever tried to Airbnb their man camp unit?
2: <laughs> this I do not know about, um, but that would probably violate some of the cohabitation standards. That, they, <laughs> but actually, and this is, and this is out, like this wouldn't happen at some of the target ones that are the nicer lodges with strict rules and all. But one, I'm, and I'm going off on another tangent. But one thing that's shocked me when I was in Carlsbad because they're so overwhelmed with the boomtown stuff. There's about 200 kids that are being bused into Carlsbad schools that are staying in man camps oh wow um whether like they have a single parent working in the oil field or whatever um, and that applies to a lot of that also applies to like RV parks and things like that too so it's a it's a unique situation so you can Bring your
1: family yeah I was actually thinking about what some of the holidays were at like at this camp you know. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah, and in in Carlsbad, sorry, I'm sticking with the schools for one sec. There, yes. they're building a bunch of um, modular housing for teachers because mm-hmm. they're teachers they need more teachers, and there's no there's not enough housing for them. So they're um, yeah they're they're actually building modular housing to rent to teachers. Just Who's building the the schools the school system?
1: <laughs> and are they hiring a company like Target?
2: Uh, I don't know. I don't hmm. know who they hired. Um, but the superintendent of schools did not like it when I called it a teacher camp. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't find that humorous.
0: <laughs> I think that sounds like that's exactly what it is.
2: Yeah, but a teacher lodge. Yeah, he, <laughs> he he was like, no, no, these are these are nicer manufactured yeah. homes, like not just the dorm teacher rooms lodge, there. A you teacher know, that, resort. Right, but so it's like maybe two-bedroom homes in the the manufactured housing.
1: Also, I guess the last question I had was about this housing being used for other purposes besides temporary employment. And over Slack, I was like, maybe they should use this for disasters. And you said
2: you've seen that before. Yeah, well, Target... So before Target got into the oil field business, they had done more, like, event stuff. So they had, like, done housing during, like, the... Olympics in Atlanta way back when, and then um, in 2005, they had done some temporary housing in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. And then just a couple years after that, they got into doing it in the more traditional sense that they're doing it now, but they started with a a mining um, camp in Arizona, I think that was like copper mining, and then once the the shale oil boom really took hold, then they, they got... Then they started going big in North Dakota, in the Bakken, mm-hmm. and then it's taken off from there.
1: Yeah, so it has many uses. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think that's all the questions we have. Yeah. Except y- y- for... I'm oh, sorry. You done with me? No. Not yet. we not. I wanted to do a lightning round.
2: Lightning round? I wasn't prepared for this.
1: These questions have been personalized for you. Uh-oh. My first one is...
2: It, are we still R-rated?
1: Uh, <laughs> yes. Paper or plastic?
2: <laughs> are we talking grocery bags?
1: Quick. The lightning round. Lightning, Plastic.
0: lightning. <laughs> Sorry, planet. Uh, coffee or tea?
2: Neither.
1: Mountain Dew. <laughs> that was yeah. going to be a question. <laughs> Nolens or New Orleans?
2: Oh, God, none of the above.
1: <laughs> He's from New Orleans. So um, how, what do you, how do you say it?
2: New Orleans is nails on a chalkboard. Okay, I don't Nolens say that. Nolens is just a jokey touristy thing, so... The only acceptable ways to say it are uh, New Orleans, or the um, most accurate way, which is the extra syllable of New Orleans.
0: Oh, it's like Montrose or the Montrose, kind of, but not really.
2: But we allow the uh, elimination of the extra syllable to just say New Orleans.
1: Now you know Jordan's secret weakness. Definitely.
2: Yes, don't ever say New Orleans. It only
1: takes two words to ruin his day.
2: Of course, um... Of course, and here's one more tangent. Uh, We're pretty hypocritical about it because New Orleans is located in Orleans Parish. And then in a lot of songs, even by New Orleans singers, they'll say New Orleans because it's the only way to rhyme.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Favorite thing to order in a Mexican restaurant?
2: If it's sit down, uh, I like to go traditional fajitas if it's Tex-Mex.
0: Mm-hmm. And if it's (laughs) stand-up?
2: Well, if it's more casual to go kind of thing. Um, (laughs) um, Well, if it's by hand, I'll go with the burrito. (laughs) All
1: right.
0: Favorite reality show?
2: I don't watch reality TV.
0: You are such a liar.
2: (laughs) I really don't. Um, I mean, I'll I'll say I used to, and this is years ago, but I used to watch, like, the, the real world and stuff like that.
0: That's exactly MTV. what our last guest said.
2: Um, but I haven't, I, I honestly don't watch a single reality TV show. All
0: right. I didn't mean to call you a liar.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Unless you count the news.
1: <laughs> All right, that's it for me. Yeah, I think I'm good too. All right, listeners, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't already checked out Jordan's writing on life in the Permian Basin, we'll include links to that in the show notes. Oh boy. And... If you don't already subscribe to Looped In, it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you have an idea for a show or want to say hi, we're on Twitter. I'm at R-A-Shoots, that's S-C-H-U-E-T-Z.
0: And I'm at N-Sarnoff.
2: J-D-Bloom, B-L-U-M, 23.
1: Until next time, thanks for listening.